we see a billion events that are potentially uh, security malicious events against our customers a day. When you think about that uh, from a scale perspective, what if that is noise? What if that is actual, you know, a true compromise? And then the numbers start getting whittled down. So the way we think of it is a funnel between events, IOCs out there in the wild to potential compromises to breach activity to, you know, so kind of loop along the cyber attack kill chain that people have been familiar with for years of, you know, where in reconnaissance all the way to exfiltration, you know, how quickly can you identify and get a threat actor out of your environment? We have what's called a dwell time, which is the amount of time a threat actor is in the environment, gained a foothold to the amount of time they're eradicated. The industry average is 100 or so days. Armors has historically been less than two days. Well, welcome back to Cloud Talk. I'm your host, Jeff Diverter. Now here at Cloud Talk, we strive to help decode the ever-changing world of technology to help you apply it to your business so that hopefully you'll have one more tool in your arsenal to help you improve your business and those around you. Now in today's episode, we're back with another security-focused conversation with a gentleman named Ryan Smith from a company called Armor. Now while this is a security-focused episode, you're going to learn a little bit about the business pivot that Armor, or should I say Firehost, had to make a few years ago to refocus their company in this growing cybersecurity marketplace. Now stick around after the interview. As always, I have some thoughts I want to share with you about it and some other really interesting information about what's coming up next. The line between application and infrastructure is virtually invisible in these modern apps. The kind of thing that a global computing fabric with immense resilience and scale can deliver without even breaking a sweat. That's really what the promise of the cloud's always been. It's all focused on the business objectives. That's where we craft the plan. In the tech world, we like to celebrate the lone genius, but I'm just going to tell you right now, they're just the convenient face as founders to focus on. Welcome to Cloud Talk. Here's your host, Jeff Deverter. So about five and a half years ago, somewhere around 2015, there was a company that made a really interesting pivot. This company had a core business and customers literally spanning the globe. And the challenge is that the market was shifting under their feet, which was taking people's attention, well, elsewhere. But the company, as opposed to dwindling quietly away, as so many are inclined to do, realized that they had gold buried in their backyard. And that gold was in the form of just one of these homegrown tool suites that they had built to help enable their business. They turned that tool from being an enabler of their business to actually being their business. And this is the story of how Firehost became Armor. Now to help tell that story is Ryan Smith from over at Armor. Ryan, welcome to Cloud Talk. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here today. Oh man, this is going to be great. I love stories that, uh, that, that, you know, you uncover something, you know, you build this tool to help enable what you do. And it turns out to be that thing that saves you. Yeah, it's, you know, definitely a part of the armor story. Like you said, is when armor was firehost, we had a secure and compliant hosting business where if you wanted to host your applications and our data centers, you could and security and compliance would be built in. 
But as you said, um, we had massive digital transformation happen under our feet. This little tiny thing called the public cloud came into existence and you <laughs> oh, know, that. dropped <laughs> oh, that. Uh, and you know, dropped infrastructure prices to a commodity level. And so uh, Firehost really had to think strategically about the value we were providing our customers. And we honed in on that security and compliance value proposition. If we were keeping our customers safe from the bad people out there and you know keeping them compliant and in line with financial regulations, that's really why they trusted us as that core business and were uh, customers of ours with the original Firehost business. So we just thought about how we could take that to market with all of the market dynamics changing, people moving into hybrid, multi-cloud, public cloud, different flavors of that. And uh, we looked to, uh, like you said, an internal tool that we had built that allowed our SOC and our compliance professionals to deliver security and compliance at scale. And that platform became Armor Anywhere today. And that's what we offer uh, you know, our partners and our MSP community to help deliver security to their customers and then our direct customers as well. Yeah. Now, now, uh, transparency for those listening, Armor is a, a great partner of Rackspaces and we utilize their amazing Armor Anywhere tool suite to help keep a lot of our customers you know, secure and compliant and all of those, all of those great things. Well, um, well, Ryan, as, um, tell us more specifically for those that aren't familiar with Armor, you know, you, you already mentioned, how do I keep my workloads wherever they are secure and compliant? But let's, let's peel that back a little bit, put on your, your product marketer hat, if you had one and, yeah. uh, and tell us about the tool suite itself. Yeah, certainly. So it is a security platform that lays down the tools you need based on the environment that you're in. So if you're in the public cloud with infrastructure, you're going to need workload protection that sits at the host. Um, that host-based agent is going to protect that workload with a variety of services, intrusion prevention to make sure bad guys aren't coming into the network, um, vulnerability scanning to make sure your assets aren't at risk for compromise, um, host-based uh, you know, uh, file integrity monitoring to make sure that key files aren't changing and uh, permit, you know, per- people aren't doing things with permission, endpoint detection to stop the latest ransomware threats. So we not only deploy the tools that you need based on your various use cases that you might have, uh, but we bring all of that back into a security architecture and service as well. So we correlate all that data we're collecting and make sure we can identify patterns in it by using technologies like a SIM. And then we can respond to incidents that get identified out of that correlation technology automatically with playbooks that we've written in our SOAR technology, our orchestration, automation, and response tool. So all of this comes together and then is finally monitored by 24-7, 365 Security Operations Center globally. Um, and, and we make sure we have that human eyes on glass, which is uh, invaluable in the security conversation as well. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. So, um, uh, you know, and when we chatted a little bit before, you know, I thought it was interesting as well because you're looking at that holistic IT environment, not just, you know, servers and files and whatnot, because the way that you go about providing uh, security for those sorts of things, 
is different than what you might do for email, is different than what you might do for something else. So how do you uh, approach that multifaceted? First of all, you know, how do you, how do you ch- figure out those environments? Where are the environments? And then, you know, of course, then bringing it back to, to analyze the data. Yeah, I think that's uh, one thing that really, you know, attracted me to Armor as a company initially. But I think it's something unique that we've built is we look at security as an operations problem and not a technology one necessarily. Because if it was just a technology one, we would go get XYZ tool off the shelf, install it. And the bad guys would never win, right? But bad guys win every single day. And it's because we live in incredibly complex IT environments now due to just the pace of digital transformation, new services getting adopted daily by you know, our engineers and developers as they bring products to market. Uh, and so you do have a very complex, varied IT environment. Um, you're on-prem, you're, you're, your people are working from home nowadays, and they are all have corporate data on their laptops and desktops. You're in the cloud in varied ways. And so that's a lot to keep up with. And so, um, you know, Armour's approach to that, and I think the way companies need to think about that is you need a partner that can evolve with you um, and not necessarily sell you a mousetrap to the latest, uh, you know, rodent infestation that's happening is, um, you know, you, you need somebody who looks at it as an operations problem and realizes that, Each of these environments, whether it's email, a server, is going to give you unique telemetry to identify threats to that asset. What's common across that is how you do incident identification, how you write playbooks to respond to those incidents. So, um, you know, that's how we view it. We view them as connections into those environments and assets. But the real magic is that that security operations detection and response that we can provide. So let's let's rewind the clock on a customer then. So, you know, you're 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 currently working with a bunch of partners. Do you, you, you work directly with customers, I assume, as well? And uh, so let's say, you know, I come knocking on your door and I say, yeah, yeah um, I've, I've got nothing or what I have, I'm, I don't trust. How do you start that process? I mean, is there an analysis that goes on? How, yeah. do, you, how do you figure out those first few steps? Certainly. So we'll usually do a security assessment review of, you know, their business. And, and it starts with understanding their business, not just their technology stack is what is the brand? Who are your customers? What is important to them? What products do you sell? You know, how do you go to market? Um, Because that all influences kind of the risk posture that you'll need to develop for that company. There may be compliance concerns if they're in a regulated industry um, that mandate certain things that you have to deploy and build into Mm -hmm. those environments. But then we act as that that sort of fun stuff. Yeah, exactly. So then we act as a trusted advisor and and really uh, go through a checklist of understanding what they have out there. Uh, Asset visibility and identification is incredibly important to that is what 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 is it that we're even trying to protect? Is it cloud? Is it hybrid? Is it on-prem? Is it emails? Uh, and then we'll make recommendations of which tools out of our platform to deploy and then um, how to, you know, configure the service on the back end to get uh, the outcomes you, that you need. Are you guys responding as well? You know, hey, this the alarm bell went off here. Of course. You, uh, tell yeah, tell me think, what response looks like. 
Yeah, so I think that, you know, that's a problem that the industry's created a little bit is just alert fatigue, alert notification. I'm pivoting between a lot of systems. So what we uh, really view is first, uh, we're going to guide you step by step. Here was the playbook of what happened. Here was everything that the attacker touched and did. Here is both how to stop this now. And here's how to plug the doors that, you know, allowed them to get in in the first place, uh, you know, that they slipped by. Maybe it was a vulnerability that was unpatched. Maybe it was, you know, a misconfigured port or firewall setting that we noticed or something. And, you know, how can they prevent those things in the future, not just uh, stop the threat actor from doing something today? Uh, and, and if uh, the situation necessitates ransomware moves incredibly fast laterally within a network we will automatically whack all that machine make sure it doesn't touch anything else uh use playbooks to respond in an automated fashion but that's the thing is uh, every business's risk appetite is different some people don't like you touching their applications even if there is ransomware running through the network because you may take down their payment application or something and you know that would do more to their business they think than other things so in those cases we'll just uh, until you know work it happens. Until, until, it until it happens until it happens, until yeah. It happens. yeah so and then it was the worst be, idea ever Worst idea ever. So yeah, we can be the guided partner or we can go the full step of remediation just depending on the appetite of the customer. All right. So the last thing you just said, you know, it, it rings true because you know, as you talk about, depending on what the customer's appetite for risk is, you know, you mentioned the payment um, platform, which by the way, is probably something that's going to be targeted by a bad guy. Um, so a lot of the problems, as, as we find, tend to not be technical in nature. They tend to be people or the process in, in nature. So you bringing a tool in doesn't necessarily solve the situation. So how do you help coach companies through, through that either type of education they need to do for their people or expose the challenges that they may have uh, in their processes, of course, in a way that you know, doesn't make you a bad guy and get you thrown out? Yeah. So I think we approach that in two ways is we actually do have a software based solution for that in the public cloud. Um, it's a posture management solution, which will continually assess your public cloud environment, looking for those configuration errors, those, hey, our developers are moving fast and they left this firewall port open or they forgot to put 2FA on this box or, you know, they misconfigured our back to this database. Um, you know, those things we actually can capture now with software in an automated way because we realize humans are, you know, make mistakes. Gartner says like 99% of cloud security breaches will be due to something like that, an S3 bucket open to the world. And yeah. so, you know, some um, configuration somewhere, some firewall port, some, something that we know better, but just miss because there's a yeah, million points. Right. And we're, we're human, right? We're going to make mistakes like that and, and whether it's intentional or not. And so I think there are software-based solutions. But then you brought it up. And software doesn't catch everything. It is a people problem. It's a culture thing. Security has to be a culture issue as well. And so, I, you know, I think uh, you can't underestimate that. Uh, security awareness training, phishing tutorials, all of that is fine, you know. But I, th I think it really is... 
Um, you know, the same way you get people to buy ownership into your mission and value statements as a company and believing in what they're working in, right? That same way you foster that type of corporate culture is the same way you foster keeping that business secure, right? Because they're not going to get a paycheck if if something bad happens to that business yeah, in a drastic way. Down. So I, I think you have to tug on those elements a, a little bit in that conversation. Well, and isn't it true that uh, you're you're, ma- you're making this point that all of these are I'll, I'll use the phrase colors in a palette. You know, there's no silver bullet, especially in technology anywhere, but especially nowhere is that more true than with security. It takes a palette of solutions to get all of the angles because the way that you're going to approach, like you said, my cloud infrastructure, making sure that I haven't done anything dumb is a different way from how we're going to approach making sure people don't click what they're not supposed to click all the while knowing someone's going to click it and how are we going to deal with it once that, once that occurs? No, definitely. I think one of the most frustrating things I hear from vendors in cybersecurity, um, from anybody talking about, uh, you know, security tool sets is, oh, we make cybersecurity simple. We need to <laughs> stop. We need to stop. Congratulations. You're the one company who did it. Right, yeah. right, right. Uh, cybersecurity is not simple. It's incredibly complex, just like um, IT is becoming incredibly complex just due to pace of change, new environments. The, the rate of digital innovation. And so the best we can do is create frameworks by which we pick the right paintbrush and use the right color at the right time, you know, to uh, identify the, the threat actors. Well, and we did an episode uh, earlier in October where we brought together Rackspace's uh, CISO and some of her lieutenants and, uh, and it was a super interesting conversation because it was all about the tabletop exercises that Rackspace um, undergoes. And that is all the best laid plans are great, but there's a hole somewhere. And it's better if you find that hole than, than the bad guy finds the hole because, you know, that hole could be technical, that hole could be procedural, that hole could be oops. And how do we train against oops? But, because those are all things that, that you have to deal with. Anytime you want to get better at something, you practice. Right. Uh, whether it's something in your personal life, uh, a hobby you're developing, something you're trying to develop as a skill at work. And it's the same for a company. If companies want to get better at security, they have to practice security. Um, and, and, you know, I think that can be underestimated. That's so true. And the thing that I think is really interesting about practicing security is you can do it in a pattern of some of the latest hacks. So, you know, they're all very public. So go look at how the person or the group or nation got into this environment and then replay that through the lens of your, in your environment. For instance, even if, even if the, the hack is in an industry that's totally not yours, uh, you can still apply the principles. I always, I use colonial all the time as an example, because I think it's, it's uh, fascinating because here you have an, a pipeline company, oil pipeline, gas pipeline company. That's their business. Well, you think, and Karen O'Reilly Smith, our CISO says, well, they're an oil and gas. That doesn't apply to us. Well, the way they came in and what they did does apply to us. You had an, uh, an antiquated uh, user ID uh, and password that had been co- uh, ultimately gotten compromised. And when they came in, I mean, they weren't trying to get oil. They locked up the financial system. And what, yeah. what would happen if our financial system got locked up? All those things you can you can turn into a playbook for how you practice. 
Certainly. Yeah. One of our favorite frameworks for looking at the latest tactics, techniques, and procedures that um, threat actors are using is the MITRE framework, right? And I think it's a great way of testing uh, your security partners is what do you actually detect and respond to that threat actors are deploying today in the wild? I mean, we know what they are. We know, you know, how they're doing it. We know which vectors come into which environments and are important to cloud versus email to thing and what, what are the most common attacks. So let's start talking in that language and, and uh, responding in that language as well. Hey, for those not familiar with the MITRE framework, why don't you just you know, high level it? Yeah. So MITRE is, um, you know, an organization that's come together and outlined um, for different environments. So they have a, a matrix for cloud, they have a matrix for, you know, different server types or operating systems, Windows, Linux, things like that. Um, and, and they've identified major tactics at a high level, and then techniques under those tactics, and then actual procedures, actual code, actual executables, actual attacks that they're using. Um, uh, against those environments. So you can very quickly identify how many different types of uh, vectors of attack, types of attack uh, that are relevant to the environments you're in. Uh, and, 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 you know, it, it's a great framework because I think we've always had in the industry compliance frameworks that talk about from a government regulation standpoint or an industry regulation standpoint, even the security ones, CIS and NIST have been more compliancy frameworks than security frameworks. MITRE actually looks at it from a true security analyst of good guys, bad guys. And they also have a attack, which is how are people attacking? And then a defend, you know, what, what, how should you defend against those various attacks? Uh, super interesting. So do you guys track, um, like marketing information you might use, but, you know, number of vulnerabilities found and resolved, number of hacks thwarted, that, that sort of stuff. I'm, I'm interested at the scale of where, where Armour is, is, is performing. Oh, yeah, I think probably the best scale number is um, we see, and it's probably over more than this, we see a billion events that are potentially uh, security malicious events against our customers a day. A, day, a billion as a B, a billion a, a day. A billion a day, right. Okay. And so, you know, when you think about that uh, from a scale perspective, it is what if that is noise? What if that is actual, you know, a true compromise? And then the numbers start getting whittled down. So the way we think of it is a funnel between, you know, events, IOCs out there in the wild to potential compromises to breach activity to, you know, so kind of loop along the cyber attack kill chain that people have been familiar with for years of, you know, where in reconnaissance all the way to exfiltration, you know, how quickly can you identify and get a threat actor out of your environment? So I think the other scale factor that's important for armor is we see a billion events a day, but we have what's called a dwell time, uh, which is, the amount of time a threat actor is in the environment gained a foothold to the amount of time they're eradicated. The industry average is a hundred or so days, give or take, because, you know, it takes a lot of time to sift through events, see patterns, etc. cetera. Uh, armors has historically been less than two days. So really um, that's impressive. 
So not only do we see a lot of events because of the automation, because of the framework we've built, uh, we're able to get to true positive incidents that affect our customers very quickly and, um, you know, uh, stop the bad guys from gaining the foothold. Wow. Dwell time. That is an incredible number. You know, I often say, and, and you, you listeners have heard this on the live show, they hear it here on the podcast, is there's such value in moving out into public cloud because that cloud comes with a certain level of um, native capabilities that help. I don't want to say solve a problem, but help. For instance, you know, just a few weeks ago, Microsoft released that back at the end of, of August, you know, they they had a customer in their European region that that you know, was under a, what was the number? 2.3 terabit per second, you know, denial of service attack. And because of the, the fabric of their network, they were able to just deal with that. Um, but it doesn't, that, that doesn't solve for everything because on top of these amazing clouds that the hyperscalers have built, we put custom solutions, bless us and our custom solutions, because every business is different and everybody wants to do something different and special and it serves their business purposes. But that's where the variations come in. That's where humans come in and touching mm-hmm. these environments. And that's when a tool like Armor is going to come in and one, make sure there's no gaping holes Two, watch for all the stuff, compare that against, you know, t- take those billion events and turn it into something actionable. Yeah, certainly. I think uh, the thing about cloud is um, it did make us safer a lot, uh, you know, because uh, we now own less of the infrastructure responsibility, but it's a shared responsibility, right? This was something the clouds were high, uh, very big on in terms of an education perspective from the beginning, um, because every time there was a major hack of the public clouds, they were very quick to say, hey, that wasn't us. That was how the XYZ company configured it. And that was their responsibility and not ours. So you will always have that ownership and responsibility of what you put in the cloud, even if the cloud itself, uh, it, itself is very safe. And so I think that's always important. And then that's where tools like Armor come in to help you secure what you're putting in those environments um, and kind of the unique differences, like you said, that come with kind of, uh, you know, the differences of the businesses. Yeah. One of the other things that, that I caution folks against, and that is when any tool runs and you're looking for vulnerabilities, uh, for instance, and it's going to come back with the list of vulnerabilities, usually filtered by, you know, high, medium and low or some derivative of, of that. And everybody gets fired up about heading after the, the high ones, which is great because that's usually the big back, open back door that somebody's going to sneak through. But then they minimize or forget about the, the lows. And that's where challenges come in because the sophisticated threat actor is going to stitch those together and turn that into something new and painful. Oh, certainly. I think, um, you know, smart, right actors will kind of always find that to hold in uh, in a lot of ways, despite our best efforts. But, you know, I think the one thing we can always do is look at uh, other factors, not just severity, right, of the vulnerability. Is there an exploit that's active in the wild? Because if uh, there's no exploit, uh, even though it's a high severity event, maybe that goes down your list of what you need to patch first. Maybe your high severity vulnerabilities are all on some, you know, air gap network or something back here that 
doesn't matter, right? Uh, but then, you know, you have one of those medium vulnerabilities on a asset with all of your employees' social security numbers on it or, or you know, something to, to that effect. So I think those are other things is what assets are these vulnerabilities on? What's the risk importance of that asset? Is that asset something that's held to a compliance standard or not? So, um, you know, I think there's definitely very sophisticated ways to look at vulnerability besides high, medium, large and, and you know, uh, actioning our whole teams based off of that. Because let's face it, we have limited resources. You can't fix everything. So you're going to have to make decisions. And, uh, you know, I think just developing a more mature framework for how you make those decisions is uh, probably the best bet. Right. I think this is a great example of the fact that it's not always just uh, a technology challenge. You know, we always talk about technology, people process and technology, but this is absolutely where people get into play to do the evaluation. There really isn't a system that could look at that output of high, medium and, uh, and low and apply that to the real life business challenge that exists. I mean, how can a system know that for this one industry, that this one certification is required for that one thing? Oh, and by the way, in our business, it's doubly important because of this reason. It may show up on your list as low. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a, ultimately an asset tagging issue. And so whether those tags already exist, you need them, whether they're going to exist in the cloud or our system, you know, whether we pull tags from the cloud or make you do it in our system, right? These are the challenges uh, that come with with. The implementing any technology from an operations perspective of where the rubber meets the road of like actually having to get things patched and, and, and do those activities. Um, and I think that's something with, you know, recognizing going into the cloud too. I think uh, AWS, Azure, GCP, they release tons of fantastic tools every single year. A lot of them impact security, um, you know, you're still going to have to implement all those tools. And so while, while um, you know, there's a lot of whiz-bang stuff out there, uh, it will still end up being an operations problem because you're going to turn all those things on and A, get a bill that's probably astronomical to, to what you think you're spending, uh, but then B, it's also just going to be uh, something that you have to manage. And so that's where, you know, having great partners like Rackspace and Armor that understand the tools that those companies are releasing, their use cases, how they fit into the unique business challenges of our customers, because we act as that trusted advisor to them. Right. You know, I think those are kind of key. You know, I can I can just hear a few listeners right now kind of cringing, going, I gotta spend more. I mean, they sound like great tools and great solutions, but now I gotta spend more and my budget's tapped, or I or I went up my incremental amount. And at that conference I was at a week or two ago, um, there was a security guy get up and gave a presentation and he really led with two graphs, and that was security spending over the past 20 years very much a linear graph starting very small because there wasn't a lot to protect for uh, right. when you think about where the internet was back in, let's say 20 years before 2030. So, and then the, you know, the aughts um, or even before that. But then when you look at the amount of threats and the amount of attacks and the amount of people who are actually doing this stuff, it is absolutely a logarithmic type of, of, a, of a curve. And it's a crime a lot of times of opportunity as well. I mean, you may have a super smart, you know, coder who finds himself unemployed and happens to know a thing. Um, and, and it's, you know, not everybody, you know, goes, 
wakes up in the morning, you know, some point in, in their schooling and go, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to be a bad guy on the internet. I don't think that's where it all necessarily starts. No, it's certainly opportun- uh, opportunistic and asymmetric, right? Uh, and like you said, um, there's more attacks that get launched daily than we have signatures that we know about how they're done. Um, you're now having threat actors launch as a service operations where anybody you know, who wants to launch a DDoS attack can just pay somebody $5 a month and pick a target and, you know, uh, you know, enact their revenge or whatever they're trying to, whatever their mission is, right. Whatever their mission is. And so, you know, you're, you're certainly in that battle every single day as a company. But the other thing is it was opportunistic, right? Back in the day, it was against fortune 500 companies because that was where the, the, money was or against some, you know, unknowing consumer. And that's why we all have McAfee antivirus that got sold with all of our PCs back in the day, right? Is, is, you know, that, that thing. Well, now you have that, that oil and gas company, uh, Allen ISD in our own backyard of a school oh, wow. that got hit recently, right? Did they really? Uh-huh. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, I think, um, and, and why, right? You're like a school district's not that rich. They're or, swimming you in know, cash. Yeah. Yeah. And they're not swimming in cash, but it's death by a thousand cuts. And if they can get 20 schools, if they can get 20 grocery stores, you know, to, to pony up any sort of ransom, get any sort of data, sell it on the dark web, then it is a business model, business operation problem. So how do you disrupt that business model? And, um, you know, uh, there's two ways you can probably go do it. You can decide to not wake up and be a threat actor, but wake up and be a security analyst and, and sock company. But nobody is that, wants to be that has the talent resources money to do that when they Mm -hmm. try and do that they're like wow building a sock cost minimum million dollars to get started yeah and then you know a couple million after that yearly just to keep it running right and 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 that cost is unsustainable for a lot of people and so Mm -hmm. it's build it yourself uh do some sort of hybrid thing um try and rely on tools uh, that are out there for, for detection, which is great. Um, but you'll miss stuff. You'll miss use cases. You'll be buying software after software after software. Uh, and that's not even including the cost of implementing any of this, right? Uh, having people to monitor these things, understand the data coming out of them, uh, you know, do the incident response itself. So, you know, I think when you put the cost in those terms, uh, you know, it's, it's an easier conversation because nobody wants to do all of that to get to an outcome when they can pay somebody a subscription fee each month to have that security and peace of mind. That's right. Because ultimately you have to do something. Not doing anything is, is just not a solution. And you really, you paint a decent picture. You, you, do you build it yourself or do you partner to do it? And do you continue to partner? Because you've got to reevaluate on a, on a daily, weekly, monthly, yearly basis because the, the threats absolutely do change. Well, Ryan, thank you so much for being on the program here today. Well, thank this you. is super interesting. We, we've been doing a lot of security conversations lately because I really think that one of the big inhibitors to people taking, uh, doing everything that they can in security is the threat is just so large that it's hard to know either one, where to start or two, how to build on what you have. So awareness, awareness, awareness. And thank you so much for being here today to, to talk about this. 
No, we really appreciate it. We appreciate everything Rackspace does as a partner. Uh, we love the thought leadership y'all are putting out as part of the Solve program. And uh, we're just glad we can be a part of it. Awesome. Thanks so much. Thank you. Have a great day. This has been Cloud Talk. You can find Cloud Talk wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And be sure to check out more content from Rackspace Solve at solve.rackspace.com. A company's approach to security says so much about the maturity of their cloud adoption, well, and how they see the world. For instance, if your company is approaching cybersecurity like it did even five years ago, then you're literally fighting yesterday's battles. We are so impressed with the tools and capabilities from the folks over at Armor. Now, friends, if you enjoyed this episode, well, then consider subscribing to Cloud Talk if you haven't done so already. Maybe even give us one of those five-star reviews. And if these are the kind of conversations that you enjoy, well, we have them live every Tuesday and Thursday at 8.30 a.m. Central Time on the Rackspace LinkedIn account. Check us out over there and join the conversation. Now, here at Rackspace Technology, we have some amazing partners, just like you heard today. Now, another amazing partner is Dell Technologies, who is also a sponsor of our Solve Thought Leadership Program. Thank you so much for your partnership this past year and the sponsorship of our Solve Program, where we strive to help decode the ever-changing world of technology and help you apply it to your business so that hopefully you'll have one more tool in your arsenal to help improve your business and those around you. Until next time, I'm your host, Jeff Deverter.